On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we're breaking down another action-packed, lore-packed episode from The Mandalorian. So, let's go ahead and batten down those hatches and... Dive, dive! Bravo 6, going dark. What's going on, everybody? It is Austin, joined by my co-host, Connor, the Closet Man. Uh, it is 9 a.m. Friday, <laughs> December 4th, a little bit earlier than what we're used to as far as recording. Um, I don't want anyone to think that we're just bums that don't wake up. So, personally, Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm up at 5 to be at the hospital at 6.30 in the morning, so... Um, I do, I pay my penance. I pay wow. my penance to wake up early, early before anybody else. Um, Connor. Just getting a, getting ahead of the insults. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good PR yeah. strategy, man. I, I, I learned it from that. you. Learned it from you. Mr. PR. You know what? I am someone that is very worthy of insulting. So I, I know every tip and trick in the book to keep your head above water <laughs> when it comes to people, uh, you know, wanting to take your head off. Uh, it is true, though. I am coming from a closet, coming to you live. Uh, I got, I'm got. i surrounded by my mom's <laughs> shoes and my dad's polos from the 80s. It smells like uh, <laughs> cocaine and Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. This was a very exciting episode, and I can't wait to talk about it, Austin. But how's it going? It's going, man. It's going. Um, I'm close to finishing my first semester of nursing school. I've got one week of clinicals left, which is really just two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and then I have finals the following week. I only have one final a day, every day, Monday through Friday, which is not bad. Nice. And then I'm home free for a month, which is, which is nice. So I'm going to be going to the Sunshine State. <sighs> In January, and I'm going to be enjoying as much as I can because this month break that I'm getting is going to be the only long break until next Thanksgiving for me. So, whew. Got to live it up, dog. Yeah. Same story for me. I'm like right in the middle of finals week. I'm actually, yeah, I'm at my my parents' place, like, <laughs> in Florida, and I'm just, you know, because we care about the fans so much, I'm like, I'm... I'm going to do this one way or another. Austin and I literally texted all day yesterday trying to figure out when we're going to record this yeah, episode. <laughs> indeed we did. Connor's um, very busy. My, my school my school pushed back finals week by a week, so it's like just the worst timing pretty much. But um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for me as well. Thank so pretty happy. Nice, 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 nice. Everything is just kind of falling into place as it should. And... Maybe not so much for The Mandalorian. And I don't mean that in a bad way. We leave the most recent episode probably a lot of you with more questions than answers. But we've certainly... You know what we got to do, Austin. Yes, we do. And I, Connor's going to add it in, but I personally just have it. I'm, I'm playing <laughs> it because I want people to understand how important it is. The, uh, the NFL primetime song fastest two minutes whatever <laughs> the old chris berman um i'm not doing it verbally anymore we're gonna add it in hopefully but i'm just gonna listen to it so i'm, I'm fired up about it so i'm ready are we are we timing this thing what's going on here 
Oh, I got the timer right here, pal. I'm ready. I wanna I wanna see if the music oh, goes. I got it. Okay, yeah. You ready? On the on three. One, two, on three. On this episode of The Mandalorian in season two, episode five, we find Mando going to the planet where Ahsoka is. But before we do that, Ahsoka Tano is introduced. She is fighting off soldiers in the cloud. She has got white lightsabers. She is dashing and darting through the forest, killing them all. And then we have Mando arrive. We find out the Magistrate is a tyrant on this planet, keeping the people hostage. And he is tasked to go kill Ahsoka Tano. He goes out into the woods, finds Ahsoka. And then we learn the biggest news of the episode. Baby Yoda is also known as Grogu. Grogu learns a little bit about the force of Ahsoka Tano, but Ahsoka says, I won't train him. Mando cracks a deal with Ahsoka Tano that if he kills the Magistrate with her, that she will take him. So they go into the... The fortress and the complex. They take down all the guards. They take down the bad guys. They fight the magistrate. They win. And then we get the news about Thrawn. There it is. Dude, 58 seconds, man. I'm telling you, this music just hype. Okay, so <laughs> I honestly thought, it, like, if I didn't understand the language you were speaking, I'm like, oh, this is a sports highlight for sure. <laughs> you'll that was excellent. when you play the primetime song you'll probably just be able to match it up with my <laughs> my voice inflections and everything yeah yeah i i can't wait so <laughs> that was something my i am definitely awake now i'm, I'm, I'm um, I, that was a lot of fun yes it's real where do you where where do you want to start this one? Because I have a couple pieces, a couple uh, little nuggets of lore here and there that I thought were interesting. Um, but I think I think the brunt of this episode is going to be your little Ahsoka analysis. I'm assuming, and some of those some of those name drops that we had at the yeah, end. Yeah, I I agree. Um, so why don't we start not necessarily with the ahsoka lore if you will but i mean she starts off our episode and i, I don't know where your easter eggs kind of lie but we we can certainly just talk about how we meet ahsoka in the the very first part sure it's this i mean i don't know what planet we're on desolate is what it is and she's using the force she's got the dual white lightsabers and she's slaying these poor chump soldiers who never had a chance and she's looking for information but i mean so we'll get to the information part you know we'll get to the uh to that part of the episode but what did you think of in ahsoka tano's introduction as someone that not necessarily is so yeah not really watched the clone wars or rebels which she's both in uh what did you think ahsoka tano Well, I'm a, I am a huge fan of Rosario Dawson, um, just in all the things she's been in over the years. I typically enjoy what she does, so that was cool. Uh, visually, I felt like they like were on point. That was really good prosthetics that they had. Um, like, if I could just talk about the technical side of things for a sec, like she looked great. Uh, one of my favorite things, though, and this is something that I am so glad they did because I. This is probably only the second time it's happened since the original trilogy. The lightsaber's sound design was different. The only other person having a different lightsaber sound design really 
was Kylo Ren, mm -hmm. which added just volumes of depth to like, you know, the enjoyment of that specific thing. So her like resonant ringing sort of um, like, I think it plays to her character really well, but it's just cool. It's just plain cool. Like I props to the sound design. Um, that was probably something that was, it's been okay in the Mandalorian, but in terms like the sound department versus like the story, the writing, the visuals, like maybe not on like the same level for most of the Mandalorian for me at least, but this really swung me the other way. This episode in general, actually uh, with the Beskar spear the way the clanks and you know just how heavy the combat felt um it sounded awesome like i actually i did a little experiment and i just listened to the episode without watching it um well certain parts of it and dude it is a sonic masterpiece it is beautiful um and there's some cool force stuff going on um it's not ex i'm not exactly sure what uh, if I can, like, confirm this 100%, but I believe she was using uh, a force power from the legacy lore, my dude. Did you did you kind of notice that? Um, I, we would have to talk about it, but I, I know how heavily the legacy content was dropped in this episode. Um, just kind of doing a little research about the planet that Ahsoka wants to send Grogu to, which we'll get to here in a sec, but... So just based on that and how heavy it was, um, I figured a lot of it would be drawn from legacy content, but I mean, I just don't really know it all that well. So uh, this is kind of weird, and I can't believe like it's suddenly popping up now, but uh, remember last episode I talked a lot about the Jedi Academy mm -hmm. games, one and two. Um, there is a force power in those games called mind trick which either at high levels makes enemies like ally with you but at low levels it makes enemies ignore you or they can't see you um it's the closest thing jedi have to like all out like stealth mm -hmm. um you kind of just disappear from their reality is what mind trick does and this was a little bit more environmental because there definitely is like this haze and this cloudiness uh happening on on by the way of this i mean the, i know the planet's desolate but from a visual fidelity angle it was gorgeous this is one of my favorite locations we've seen in them the entirety of the mandalorian so far um so i, I don't know if it is it was, i can exactly say it was mind trick but they did have like imaging like goggles and they had like those upgraded a280s but they were like a350s mm -hmm. now which i thought was a cool because we had talked about those rifles and those have thermal imaging <laughs> on them so she she was doing something uh with the force there that wasn't just her being completely just base stealthiness. Like, you know, she was using the force to assist her. Um, and that's, that's what I've been like trying to evangelize to people is like Filoni, Favreau, the writers, the action directors, the stunt choreographers, they all understand that lightsabers and the force are like these very unique things that make, like there's so much potential to make combat awesome. And they understood that so well, the way she sliced through the tree and shot the chunk that she made. Like that's something you can only really do with force and with lightsabers. And nothing grinds my gears harder when lightsaber combat is reduced to what could be any two sword people right. fighting each other. Um, so when the lightsaber is actually used as its own unique weapon and it's like 
use creatively. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that fan project, Austin, where it's called uh, SC138, I think. It's a fan project that redoes the fight between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. Uh, I have not seen um, it, no. It's a fan project, and it, they literally edit it so the lightsaber combat is, like, insane. Like, Obi-Wan's, like, flipping <laughs> around and getting shot through, like, 60 walls. And Darth Vader's, like, force-choking him and smashing him and stuff. It's a little ridiculous. But people love it, even though it's a little janky, because the lightsaber combat is lightsaber combat. It's unique to lightsabers. Um, it plays with the property that they have to, like, cut through walls and that they're they're super light and you know the force is a thing so all that to say like i have so much appreciation for the way that they blocked out these scenes and um choreographed them i i was so impressed and then like combine that with the sound design and i you know i i was literally sitting back in awe because i was so like into the like what was happening on screen i i was a little kid nice well it's good here it's good it's very, very good. So, okay. Um, so I guess the next biggest break of the episode... Well, okay, I, I want to talk about something here. You'll probably know more than me. I think I understood the rarity of Beskar, but and obviously Mando took blaster shots off of everything in uh, the episode prior. So... Mm-hmm. Were you at all? Uh, you probably weren't surpri- as surprised as I was when Mando finds Ahsoka and is able to block her lightsabers with his forearms of Beskar. Is that you were? Su- you're saying you were surprised by yes. that? Yes, and that maybe is. I just didn't know the full extent of Beskar, and it makes sense why it's so heavily sought after because of. I mean, that's pretty. That's quite the powerful uh, powerful trick there to be able to take a dual lightsaber swing into the forearms and be completely okay. And obviously it happens later in the episode with the, with the full spear as well. But I was just, I mean, I think we were, mm-hmm. my wife and I were both like, oh, wow, I didn't know because we always see lightsabers cut through just about everything, so... It was it was surprising to, and really cool to see him block Ahsoka's lightsabers with his wrists. Oh man, I have the biggest smile on my face. I can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> <sighs> okay, um, so there is quite a bit of precedence for uh, metal contending with the mighty power of lightsabers in the Star Wars universe. Um, And it's from several sources. Uh, The books certainly cover this as well. Um, I don't remember if we've talked about... I I think at one point we did talk about metals and materials uh, in regards to Mando's ship. Maybe Actually, I don't know if that was on our podcast. I think one of our viewer friends uh was coming at me for something i said <laughs> we had a like a text discussion uh i think that was scott nice <laughs> but uh so there's a lot of metals in the star wars universe that are capable of deflecting heavy energy damage including lightsabers mm-hmm. um one of the richest sources of this is drum roll please can you tell me austin 
you tell me? Um, is it a trick question? Is it Beskar? <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, the sources like the in terms of like Star Wars media that represents this idea of metal, de- like defending lightsaber attacks. What would you guess I'm about? Kotor. To talk about? Kotor, yeah, baby. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. <clears throat> so, uh, just uh, look. I uh, this is a this is the deadest of horses. <laughs> so I won't go too crazy here, but you should know that KOTOR for the uninitiated is set in an ancient time um, when the, the, the old Republic, as it's literally called, uh, this is a time where people still use swords. They're still blasters. They're still ships and starships and, you know, transgalactic travel and all that stuff, but people still fight with swords. What's interesting about the swords in the KOTOR time, the KOTOR era is that they're outfitted with cortosis weave, um, a material that became more rare and more expensive and harder to integrate into weapons and technology. So that kind of explains the, the fall of swords. Also, I mean, why would you have a sword when there's blasters? I don't know. It's really cool in the game, though. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these swords, uh, you fight people with lightsabers, and they have swords, and they're able to fight with you um, because of the cortosis weave. Now, that's, you know, cortosis is like the classic, and that's explained in the books, Austin. But there's also durasteel. Um, that's another one. That's another type of armor that uh, can resist lightsaber attacks. Now, it's not completely impervious. It will be battered down and, like, eventually destroyed by like, high-energy damage. But, like, Mandalorians, ancient Mandalorians, for instance, um, most of their ranks were outfitted with Durasteel. And this is where we kind of circle back to Mando's Beskar and Ahsoka's lightsabers. As you know, the Mandalorians are the ancient enemy of the mm-hmm. Jedi. Um, it's kind of like that thing where, you know, everybody, like, from the outside looking in on the Mandalorians, everybody that got attacked by them are like, they're our sworn moral enemy. We hate them. And then on the Mandalorian side of things, they're like, oh, who were you? <laughs> oh, we just destroyed your entire... Oh, sorry. We didn't really remember you. That's not true for the Jedi. The Mandalorians were highly concerned with the Jedi. Uh, really, as they call them, sorcerers. Uh, because they were so strong and they had weaponry and tactics, the Force and lightsabers, that were completely foreign to them. And many of their ranks were absolutely slaughtered by them. So, Mandalorian society, um, and this is, like, all the way back in the time of, like, Exar Kun, uh, which is, you know, this is old. This is old, 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 old lore. But, basically, like, a good amount of their lore, of their, like, society is based around resisting Force and Jedis. Um, now, that doesn't translate all the way through into, like, current canon. It's changed a little bit, but... Not completely. Like, there is still a good amount of DNA in the Mandalorian spirit of warriors and fighting that is, like, specialized against the Force and Jedi. Which is why gaining ownership of, like, a really good smithing and crafting, like, art and, you know, getting the lowdown on a really, really resistant uh, metal like Beskar was so important to them. That's why Beskar became their thing. That's why Mandalorian armor became legendary was because of their uh, this this rivalry they had with the Jedi. Um, so that that is that the fact that he can do that is completely warranted. 
Um, that is not something the writers of The Mandalorian pulled out of their ass. Um, so no fear. That was very, very, you know, it was considered very heavily, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, you know, the Jedi, they, they ain't the only boys in town with the big guns. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense, too. I mean, it, I wasn't surprised, like, oh, how, why can this do this? It was more of, like, just not sure. When do you see a lightsaber get stopped by anything but another lightsaber? Then the answer is you don't, at least right. not in our realm. Um, but it makes sense with the Mandalorians having that tech and being the ancient enemies. Um, I mean, they even created basically like a holding, a portable holding cell for Jedi. And it's shown and referenced in, <laughs> and it's not carbonite. I can't wait to talk about this. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it's it's not carbonite either. It's, it's a, it's just a physical holding cell that doesn't allow the Jedi to utilize their powers. Um, and it's shown at the end of the Clone Wars when Ahsoka catches Darth Maul. And apparently Mandalore stopped making them because that just probably alludes to uh, the conflict that they had. And then the yeah. general peace um, once the Republic was formed officially and the Jedi were a part of that. So, uh, But yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense of why, why they can do it and... You can't exactly be a sworn enemy if the one side can just cut through everything. So it makes sense that it had to be even and leave it to the Mandalorians to come up with this high-end tech that only they have essentially that can do this and be able to come up with tactics and fighting for dealing with Jedi. So it, I guess it was more of a shock of just knowing what lightsabers are for us and seeing him just throw his hands up mm -hmm. or his arms up and just there, it's still there after she takes a double swipe at him. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, how tragic would that have been if he put his wrist up they're like just that? Gone. Just, yeah, <laughs> right, I mean, then in The Mandalorian, the end. Well, it's Star Wars. I mean, he'd have sick robo hands yeah, in the next true. episode probably. But, um, yeah, there's two certainties in Star Wars. It's if you get your hand cut off, you get a yep. robo hand. And if you fall into a bottomless pit, you're totally exactly. Fine. Yeah, those are two easy rules of Star Wars. I think that we can all get behind. Yeah, quite honestly. And really, that's that. That's what Star Wars really hinges on is those two points. That's that. It's really not a story about anything else. They're hidden besides they're, Robo hands and <laughs> hidden points that you have to find, but yeah. always hold true. It's like a uh, some sort of math concept in the world that you don't really know about, but wherever you apply it, it rings true. Same thing with Star Wars with pits and robotic hands. <laughs> and really that's that's the thesis of this podcast and really uh that's kind of the final word i don't think we really need to talk about anything else now that we've <laughs> made that point safe. you know you can just submit this as your master's research project actually just submit that underlying <laughs> theoretical piece about that hands sentence. and yeah exactly <laughs> uh, you should put, yeah, pass that's an a in my book absolutely an a in my book all right <laughs> Next piece of lore uh, breakdown, essentially, or just really just a, an important piece of the episode that we, we have to discuss here is Baby Yoda is no longer Baby Yoda. It is Grogu. Heck yeah. Grogu. Grogu. Wow. Wow. It just... Wow. Yeah, exactly. I was also just so shocked but i'm happy 
Honestly, I didn't like calling him. I, well, I like calling him Baby Yoda, but I mean, he's not, you know, he's not Yoda. He's a, he's himself. He's Grogu now. So, uh, an awesome. I thing. mean, rest assured, rest assured, they're not gonna stop calling him. Oh Baby no, Yoda. of course not. That'll that'll never go away. Of course not. But I like Grogu. I do too. It fits. It's it's fitting. It it seems grounded enough to like you know. To carry the weight of more serious moments later on, I'm sure. But Grogu's also, it's a little silly. It's like Yoda. I mean, Yoda's the same way. Yoda plays perfectly the balance between Yoda's like, like you know, weirdo right. <laughs> sort of vibe versus, you know, his really heavy, moralistic, ph- philosophical, you know, side of him too. Which is 98% so, of him think, and we only see the 2% crazy um, in the later trilogy. Or I guess the the first yeah. trilogy that's later than, anyway, you guys understand. Yeah, people okay. know what you yeah. mean. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just an important point to mention about Grogu. We envision him and we see him as basically a baby that can't do anything mm. for himself, essentially. But we really come to find out that, I mean, obviously we learned in the first season that he's 40 years old i believe 30 or 40 when mando's tracking him and he says this can't be right the target's supposed to be 40 so jets this is a refresher but ahsoka essentially gets to communicate with him obviously connecting their minds through the force and she basically tells us that grogu was trained by multiple people on coruscant in the jedi temple and then when order 66 was executed he was smuggled away from the temple and then lived on his own having to hide his powers for survival which is a bombshell of information because again we envision yeah. grogu as this little baby i mean mando just takes care of him like a little baby but grogu can actually do a lot of stuff from he survived for a long time at least 20 years by himself after the fall of the jedi order from order 66 so i just thought that was an incredibly important piece of information that we've learned about grogu and that he was actually he was trained by multiple people i believe ahsoka alluded to he being trained by multiple people i don't want to say jedi masters because i don't know for sure but certainly trained by multiple people of the jedi order so grogu's actually quite the uh not the accomplished little guy but he's certainly one that deep down knows and has learned a lot before having to repress it for survival and just kind of speaks to he's not helpless he acts helpless because mando does a lot does everything for him really but he is actually when it push comes to shove he's not helpless at all and i thought that was kind of a little groundbreaking honestly hearing ahsoka talk about him i i think so baby yoda's grogu's like level of sapience and you know how grown up is he actually that has been something i've really been struggling with or pondering i guess i should say throughout the season um and yeah i I agree it was a bombshell to kind of learn that he's had this whole life before he ever met mando um i think i think he's a special case i think he really is truly baby-like he is childlike 
Um, and that's not completely like a, a ruse. So, as you know, the Jedi prefer to take, you know, new Padawans when they are pretty much toddlers. Um, before they can even walk is actually the ideal age they like to start Jedi training because um, when the body is so young, it's the most malleable and it can be attuned to the Force so much stronger. Um, the Force can be more native to them so they can control it better and they can control better with their emotions, blah, 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 blah. The reason why the Jedi Order doesn't like to take on Force-sensitive teens or, you know, and certainly not adults in very special cases only um, because, you know, they're already people with, like, you know, issues and if they get stronger in the Force, there can be emotional problems, blah, 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 blah. So there's plenty to suggest that the child, that baby Yoda... It's still pretty young because, as we know, Yoda's species, uh, which has never been named, by the way, no. um, it's still an un unidentified species. They have like a suspended life. I mean, it lasts forever. Um, and, you know, they, they last season we learned that he was about 50 years old. But in their species time, I mean, he still has all these neonatal features. And I think his childhood just lasts forever yeah. <laughs> pretty much like it lasts last a super long time so i think i think he is still very much a child but he's in this weird limbo between i mean 50 years even if you have like this really 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 slow progressing aging thing going on it's still 50 years of experience in life so i feel like if, <laughs> if we want to break it down like a D, &D character he has like a super high wisdom stat and a like negative intelligence stat, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, but it's not like he has like oh, this. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say he has this like imbued like force which plays to his wisdom. Like he knows that Mando needs healing in the first season, and he's able to do that, and he's able to learn very quickly force powers and how to accentuate his force and all that stuff. But you know, he still eats everything he finds on the ground. <laughs> Um, he's super curious and he doesn't know anything. <laughs> like, so I, I think it's somewhere between that. It's like this weird, almost kind of like a man child in, in, in a way, in a way. I think it's, it's more of a repression that now he's kind of coming back to light. If, if you will, um, because obviously the traumatic incident of, Order 66, being young in the Jedi Temple, it didn't matter. You were dead anyway, which is just ridiculous craziness, yeah. right? But I just think there's just these little cues that he, Ahsoka talks about having communicated with Grogu that he is much, he, or at least was much more mature until he was found, which it makes sense to me because he speaks of this loneliness and this isolation for so long, having to live on his own. And then when he's found Mando, because he yeah. develops that severe attachment, like a father figure as Ahsoka calls him. And he, I mean, he doesn't have to do anything for himself because he doesn't need to. And as you pointed out, they were the kids were taken, not necessarily by force, but obviously parents weren't exactly the happiest. 
and he lives by himself and he has all these people in Jedi Temple that he's close with and they're all gone now. I mean, just from a psychological standpoint, not that I would know from Baby Yoda's species, but just in general, he had to learn these hard, tough life skills and then he repressed them when he didn't have to do it for himself anymore. And I think so his intelligence technically wouldn't be negative by default right like he's not dumb or he doesn't know how to do things for himself he just has repressed it and he has regressed back to a more childish state almost it feels like he's rebuilding his identity to fit the lifestyle that he has with mando versus one where he would have to live for himself on his own if that makes sense so that that's actually a really interesting like psychological approach. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Although something I want to say, and this I had to go back and watch this part again. It's actually not. It's not said so clearly as to what extent he was alone all these years. Um, the way I interpreted it is he was passed between different. Uh, you know, people like, and I wouldn't necessarily call them guardians either. Like, I think, I think he was shuttled out of the Jedi temple during that whole, you know, chaos. He was given to a trusted somebody. They had to give him up to somebody else. And then, you know, across this line, I feel like you can still have horrible feelings of loneliness in that environment, but you're not technically like alone, alone. Like, I don't think Grogu was out in the wilderness somewhere, just like surviving and like living under a log. Um, I'm fairly certain that he had handlers, uh, this entire time. Um, some sort of, and that's how he ended up like getting into some bad business and you know, like why Mando found him in the state that he found him in. So if you go back, yeah, I, I would, it's not said super clear. And I think they did that on purpose because maybe they want to fill that out later, but, um, I don't think he was truly living like a wilderness man just by himself. See, I kind of do. I do a little bit. They, but they, they never they never say it explicitly. They don't. She just said feelings of loneliness and like being abandoned. But you can have those but still be under like the watch of, you know, a cruel um, sort of like orphaned parent. See, situation. I just don't know where that lines up for me because just based on – how Mando kind of treated him at the onset, he still formed an immense attachment to Mando. Yeah, I think that's And still, I don't think, see, I, I just don't I think, think... that still plays. See, and it, because of that, I don't think he was able to attack... Because if someone was around, he would have attached to them regardless, in my opinion. I think he was smuggled out of the Jedi Temple to survive, and obviously the person that did it is probably on some sort of list and while he was and they were initially helping grogu they probably unfortunately found their demise somewhere out there in the galaxy and again it just lends to the point that i don't think grogu is as helpless as we all make him out to be and you know it just he finds himself in a, in a weird situation, but at the same time, like I, he, how, how does this passing of handlers happen? If it would, because if someone from the Jedi temple took him, 
you would assume it was a Jedi themselves or someone very connected to the Jedi. They're not just going to pass the quote-unquote future to anybody. I mean, maybe you're right and he was found after his original handler was killed or something. But I just don't... I think Grogu can could have lived for himself in a way to keep survival up, keep a low profile, be able to live, not very well, but live, because he has a lot of training and a lot of life experience. And then Mando simply stumbles upon him. The Empire has got him in his sights. So they, uh, the Empire knew about him at some point along the line and mm-hmm. wanted to go after him, or at least the client did in the research project they were doing. So... I, I just think that's where that's where I kind of fall in the Grogu scope of things. Um, it just makes more sense to me be, that's, because that's really I just feel like if he was if he was around people, he would have formed attachments. And I mean, obviously, this is just big jump after big jump. But if you form so many attachments that continually let you down, and you find you get to Mando. He would. I feel like he wouldn't have been nearly as like attaching or warm or, or anything, to him. You know, like obviously distrusting I, at the beginning, but as soon as Mando stuck his neck out for him a little bit, like that was that was the 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 deal sealer, if you will. Okay, you're making some good points. I, I mean, maybe it's just the the strong baby sound effects sort of sound design that we've had that's making me feel like he is that helpless um well he's not so he's not helpless helpless like he has the oh, force. no I, I don't think he at all it's kind of like to me it's like a kid with a a a, a, a minigun <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes super lethal or like you know super strong and like could be could be something to worry about for anybody but it's still a kid um I like I I honestly can see a scenario where the tragedy of the falling of the Jedi Temple it happens in such a way where the way he shuttled out is kind of they do a kind of a a bad job because it's a rush job if you rather and he ends up in the hands of maybe some not so friendly people that they keep him at a, a at a distance because they don't want anything to do with them they don't they're maybe afraid of powers or they're afraid of the Empire that's potentially stalking the kid yada 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 I just. I don't know. Like I don't. I don't see Grogu wearing a cloak and walking around, and like I gotta like keep cool and like stick to my my street knowledge to like survive. <laughs> I just. I don't think I don't it's see, like that I, either. I, but I just think he and and that's what makes it tough is trying to paint a picture of what his survival yeah. would look like because they don't give us anything. But I just think, excuse me, um, that he somehow he did it. Whether that was, you know, I think it was by more by himself than yeah. anything. And we don't really understand or know this species that much. Like, we don't really know if he needs to be doing right. certain things, like eating constantly. Can he put himself in a, a state of meditation or, or almost like a self-induced coma, if you will, where his body doesn't demand nearly as much? I mean, 50 years of life experience is a lot of experience, even if you are a kid. Um, so, and yeah. being taught by some of the best minds in the galaxy at the time, I just, I just think he would have to know enough. And 
on top of that, I just think of a Clone Wars episode where Yoda and I don't know, I think it's Obi-Wan take a group of very young Padawans to a Jedi temple where the Kyber crystal picks them as people may know in canon right now rebels and clone wars the kyber you have to go out and find and earn your kyber crystal if you will from a jedi source yeah jedi whatever. temple Boo. i mean that's canon that's what's that's what's done um, i know it's not the worst it's better than middle so that that just they were really 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 young having to face these humongous challenges and yes. they were on the clock. Yeah, if they didn't finish point. the challenge, they died. Like, that was it. <laughs> there was no, oh, we'll come bail you out after. It was, no, if you don't finish, you're dead. So, finish. It is It is kind of brutal. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that <laughs> that prepared him. The Star Wars universe is just brutal in general. Right. I, I just think that prepared him. Um. So, just continuing on with Grogu. I, yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he definitely has some ownership of... His survival for sure like he definitely had some techniques about hiding his force and stuff like that so it's just the, the degree of ownership in his own survival is what we hopefully will figure out eventually probably not this season um it may it may not ever happen officially it may be revealed in some other media or some other way but yeah i i would like some more you know clarity on yeah that, it would help it helped us understand him a little more her his backstory but we're moving forward with his story so Ahsoka does kind of those different tests, right, to see if she can train him, which I thought was interesting because she's not a Jedi. She understands the Force, but she's really technically not a Jedi. Um, so I don't know if that's why she more refused him versus the whole attachment, emotional attachment thing. Um, and that that's an allusion to Anakin and his attachment. Can you explain that for people who may not know what you're talking about? Which part? The not being a Jedi part? About I mean, because like people see the lightsabers and they see the force and they're like, oh, oh it's right, Jedi. Right. So. Okay. Um, so I know we've talked about it a little bit before, but since Ahsoka did finally make an appearance, we can we can brush over really fast. Um, she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, and there was an incident on Coruscant where there was a bombing at the Jedi Temple that Ahsoka was pinned for. She, uh, the Council thought it was her. They didn't believe her at all, despite her pleas, which undermined her trust in them. And essentially, mm -hmm. she escapes custody. Anakin does everything he can to help her, which just kind of goes to show what the attachment meant to him. And essentially, we find out it was Ahsoka's Padawan friend whose master, I think, was killed. Um, she turned to the dark side and had red sabers and was doing all this acting as an agent for the sith essentially um so she finds that out she kills her and anakin also finds out and helps and they clear ahsoka's name and essentially the jedi order is like oh our bad sorry for completely and 100 percent just shunning and almost banishing you because we didn't believe you and the evidence pointed out that it was you and we didn't really actually do any research of our own so they were trying to sweep it under the rug, but Ahsoka was deeply hurt by this because she put so much faith in the Jedi and in the Jedi Order. And it wasn't necessarily Anakin's fault because Anakin was true to her and did everything he could to prove her innocent. 
But essentially, that's why she leaves. They offer her to come back, and she walks away. So that's why Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order. Now, her white lightsabers, I don't know the um, origin story on them, but obviously she kept her lightsabers, or not, she didn't keep them. Anakin gave her her lightsabers back at the end of the Clone Wars um, to help deal with Maul on Mandalore. So she had her two, she had dual blue lightsabers and she actually left them on a planet that the uh, Star Destroyer essentially, or the cruiser that she was on, crash landed on a planet because she and Captain Rex, a clone, escaped Order 66 and had to basically blow the ship up to do it. And she left it with them because that was a lot of clones that she had fought with for so long and so she lines up all their helmets on blaster rifles and leaves her lightsabers there in which darth vader ends up finding them eventually so that's ahsoka doesn't have her blue lightsabers anymore she acquires the white lightsabers at some point in rebels or before rebels we meet her in rebels i'm actually re-watching it with my wife because she wanted to watch it which was awesome so I don't know if there's an origin story behind her acquiring the white lightsabers, but that's where we, where she gets them. So that's how she has white lightsabers. That's why she knows of the Force. She knows Yoda. She understands all the concepts and communication because she never gave that part up. She just left the Jedi Order and then they were destroyed. So that's why we find Ahsoka as she is now and... That personally, I was just a little surprised that she didn't just kind of refuse and say, oh, yeah, I'm not really a Jedi. But that would also just make it way too easy of a story point to say, oh, no, it's not me. But there is another out there based on the information we found out at the end of the episode. So that's Ahsoka's history with the Jedi Order. I don't know the temple that she's referring to on the planet that she was going to send Mando to with Grogu. Um, I looked it up, and I, I mean, again, I don't remember, but it's a legacy planet, so it's legacy lore yeah. that, Connor, maybe you know more and, of. So, um, because my lore knowledge is primarily based in games, um, this is this is, uh, this is is book territory, man, so they're going deep, deep now. There's another podcast out there with two guys that know about the <laughs> books, and they're going crazy, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I, I did a little research too, and I yeah I have no personal connection with it, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I actually just bought a whole bunch of old Star Wars novels uh, that I'm going to start ripping through just to kind of see what's going nice. on. But because uh, we're entering, we're entering a terror. Like they're going like deep, deep, which is good. I think that's now. what Star Wars fans want is this absolutely this deep. Oh, absolutely. Con- because I think. Most people watch Star Wars and they're like, man, this is so cool, but there's a whole galaxy out there. Like, what's that like? And I mean, like, Clone Wars and Rebels gives you a nice taste because they take you to all these different planets, all these different species, all these different activities. I mean, in Rebels, the Jedi Temple, the Sith Temple, those are some of the coolest things that they have that you learn about and and kind of figure out i mean there's a lot that happens in those places that you're like wow like it is it is cool stuff so i'm really excited to see where they go with the lore 
as far as the Jedi Temple and how they reconstruct it for live action because it's probably pretty easy to animate all these transitions in Jedi temples of visions and everything that you see and but maybe not as easy mm-hmm. in live action but I, they've been crushing it so far so I'm sure they're going to do it if we see a temple then maybe we see a temple today the new episode released already today chapter 14 I believe so uh, we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. but um, I, I guess the last thing of note before we move on to the final big nugget of content at least storyline wise is ahsoka's refusal to train grogu um and how his attachment makes him dangerous and how she refuses to go through that again now as far as i know when she references that it is a reference to anakin and padme ahsoka knew about them as did obi-wan Ahsoka would had covered for Anakin before in the Clone Wars when he was with Padme. So she knows about Anakin and what happened. And also Maul kind of tells her that he's going to turn. And then she eventually does find out. I don't know how the first time, but obviously... I've referenced her fight on a Sith temple with Vader, a.k.a. Anakin, before. So I think, I mean, obviously that's an immensely painful piece of her history, having fought for, gosh, probably close to 20 years with Anakin and the clones, and then having a switch flipped, and then the next 20, you fight him, and you're trying to clean up his messes, essentially, of what he's doing in the galaxy, so... That that's my reference point as far as what she means. I mean, could it mean something yeah. else? I doubt it, but obviously you can't rule it out. But I'm very strongly referring well, to Anakin. There is I, I think that's totally fair because of her personal connection to Anakin and that is most certainly where she'd draw her mo- like, you know, her assessment of things, I'm sure. But there is a rich precedent of forced dyads. Um, as the new movies have defined them, um, or you know, just connections between two force-sensitive people, or one force-sensitive per, you know person to another person, um, and a lot of them have been legendarily dangerous. Uh, if you play through the Kotor games, there, here I go again. <laughs> uh, that is a central, central theme in both of the games. Um, you know, the power of the force to connect two people um, and bind them together and bind their fates. And uh, so, and she definitely would have heard these stories um, with whatever little, you know, training or little, you know, she didn't have a typical upbringing in the Jedi way, but she still would have definitely heard these tales because they are the classic tales of caution uh, that all young Jedi are taught, which is be wary of connections in the force because they can be super powerful. They can bring you to new heights, but they can destroy. Yeah, well, you. not only does she so, maybe hear about it, but she has physically seen it with Ezra. Seen it. Because Ezra yeah. makes immense connections with all sorts of, not necessarily people, but, well, boy, okay. Creatures and former people slash in hiding people like Yoda. Well, Yoda mainly reaches out to him and there's a whole thing in the Clone Wars is how he's able to do that, which is really cool. Highly recommend watching. Um, 
But I mean, she's literally seen it. Like, and and also in Rebels, as a rewatch, like Ezra makes a really strong and dark connection with a, a monster, essentially, when they're facing an Inquisitor, and Kanan, his master, is worried about that and as a slight spoiler like ezra flirts with the dark side a little bit with a sith holocron and being powerful so i mean ahsoka knows and has seen these types of connections before and whether or not we know more she knows more about ezra than we do at this point i don't know but like she's she's seen this so yeah not only may maybe she's heard about it but she's seen it too and yeah she doesn't want anything to do with trying to train Grogu and then it ends up he becomes immensely powerful and immensely dark and and we re, we rinse and repeat on the circle of Jedi life so yeah you know I, I think that's why yeah. it is a big reason and well how much of that decision also was related just to the ethics of it because um, you know like I, I watch it with my family and my dad, who is not, you know, a typical Star Wars nerd or anything like that, um, you know, he enjoys Star Wars. He got, uh, you know, his kids into it. But um, he really just sees them as characters in a story, as kind of like this, its own isolated thing. And his his whole attachment, he really liked Ahsoka. And his whole thing was, oh, she's super wise because he, Grogu was attached to Mando as a child, as to a father. And severing that bond now, given his background of, I mean, he, he essentially compared it to, you know, kids in uh, the foster care system, which is, you know, super brutal. Um, it can be super brutal. And he's like, that, that would be devastating at this point in his life. After all you've been through together, like, there's no, there's no training that would ever measure up to just having your guardian with you. Um, so that was that that was an interesting point I thought, and I, I'm not sure how much of that went into Ahsoka's decision, but I'd like to think it was part. Oh, of I, I agree with you 100, percent and and with your dad um, as well because I think when you look at that and the attachment that Grogu has, if she severs that, what is that going to create? Resentment. Mm-hmm. What does resentment lead to in the Force universe? Turning to the dark side. We know how strong young force users can become and if they can't control their emotions that resentment is going to turn into anger which is going to turn into hate i mean grogu would be going down a very slippery slope into the dark side because of ahsoka and i think ahsoka really recognizes that because i think she's not only has she seen something similar in that in her experiences but I think she just also, as your dad and you pointed out, has a good enough sense like, yeah, you know, if I do this, it's going to destroy him. And I don't want that. I want him to have the best chance that there is. Um, and it just makes it, and of course, it makes it interesting when she says to go to this temple, place him there and see if a Jedi comes. Because we all know there's not very many of them out there. And considering we know that there's a certain bad blue man out there we also know that there's potentially an actual jedi out there too i think anyway dude so i do have some hot spicy takes on who that might be um i've I've been doing some thinking 
but I don't know if we want to go straight to that yet because that's kind of like the last thing that happens. Is it, Do you want to cover any of the stuff with the magistrate first or any of that? Because there's another Easter egg I have um, before that hot take. So I don't know. Like, what, what do you um, think? Yeah, I mean, we can we can save it for a second. Um, so we'll we'll jump to the magistrate. I mean, yeah, I think the cool like the being able to fight with the Beskar spear versus Ahsoka was really cool. Obviously. Um, Asian women wielding cool weapons is always a good time in any show or movie. So that was exciting. Um, I think it was interesting as far as like, I, I read something about the, almost the mirror image that if you break down like a deep moral, uh, breakdown of Mando looking at the security guard or the Lieutenant, former Imperial Lieutenant or whatever, yeah and like how they're looking at each other and how like he's saying like oh we're we're basically the same except for some choices we've made and it's like you know what he's absolutely right if mando completes his contract that's him that mando is the same guy right there like it was just an interesting Mm -hmm. thought process of how the choices that he's made and the choices that Lang has made have led him to this point and how they're so similar yet so different. And it's just obviously this mind flux of morality and, and all that. But I thought it was just kind of like yeah. an interesting point of like, yeah, you know what? Lang is Mando like he is. Like he's tactically sound, military trained. Crusty. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like A very different duel happening on the other side yeah, of the world. Yeah, and, and they're literally like they're just both. like... You know, like, ah, oh, this, like, we give our lives to causes we believe in. Like, this isn't really one for me. And he puts his blaster away. He's like, oh, well, it sounds like, you know, I'm winning or it sounds like you're winning. Like, how about we make a deal here? You know, like, I was just, like, fascinated by that entire, um, the entire sequence of them standing there and talking while Ahsoka and the Magistrate are trying to kill each other on the other side of the wall. It was really effective. I thought it was awesome. I, I, yeah, Lang came out of nowhere with, with like the big, like, that, that was like, we were talking earlier, uh, that, you know, Mando, like where, what, what's really left for his character and how can he be rounded out? And that was surprisingly effective. Um, speaking more to like the gunslinging old crusty warrior side of things versus, you know, his Mandalorian religion stuff that we had talked about earlier. So mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that, that framing device with Lang, yeah. especially in regards to like in the context of the fight happening, literally feet away on the other side of the wall. Uh, that was just shot in like classic, like seven samurai, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the framing, uh, the, the design of the set. It was yeah. beautiful. No, it was, it was, it was cool. Um, and that so I guess the one of the last lore bombs that were received is Ahsoka obviously ends up winning against the magistrate, um, and she's asking where the her master is. She had asked it before, and I was thinking probably Moff Gideon, right? Like it's got to be him. Who else could it possibly be? And then she name drops Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn, and I just immediately put my hands on my head in shock, like, oh my gosh, that video I watched was right. 
Thrawn is yeah. apparently back, and this is insanity. So, who is Thrawn? Thrawn is a Grand Admiral in the Empire that is just an immense tactician, really unbeaten um, as far as combat is concerned. He's just this, like, cool, collected perfect villain if you will um that's just again an immense mastermind in all things you know understands cultures understands tactics understands emotions like the dude's amazing as far as the empire is concerned and and who he is to them so we see him in rebels and he is brought in to deal with the essentially the birth of the rebellion in the outer rim with Ezra and his crew, um, or just kind of in general, the birth of the rebellion that happens in rebels. And he chases them all over and he almost eradicates them a couple of times. And it's really only until they fight on Lothal, Ezra's home world. And they're fighting, um, on the ship and Ezra makes the massive force connection to these hyperspace whales that we see in another episode and the whales destroy Thrawn's fleet and they make a jump to hyperspace with Thrawn's ship Imperial Star Destroyer with Thrawn and Ezra on it and they disappear and the whales are untrackable so they are just gone. Like nobody knows where in the galaxy Thrawn and Ezra went, but they were together on the ship. So the fact that ah- and Ahsoka and Sabine Wren make it their mission to find Ezra. Ezra is at this point the last Jedi that they know of because we don't really know about Luke and Leia and Yoda is supposed supposedly dead, but obviously he's old. And Obi Wan is also the old, but no one really knows where he is either. So Ezra's like the last Jedi here. I mean, trained by Kanan, utilizing Jedi temples and holocrons. Like he is a Jedi, and he has a very distinct lightsaber. Yeah. So like we will be able to know if it's him, because um, he he built his own from like spare parts and stuff. And it's kind of I think it's got like a blaster piece on the. Like, it's cool. Oh, I'll have to show it. But anyway, so like Thrawn being back is just massive implications because if they found Thrawn, they must have. They must have found Ezra Bridger. And they've drawn so much, obviously, from Legacy and Old Lore, but also from Rebels, that storyline, which is why my wife decided that we should watch it. Because every time I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this happened in Rebels. Or, oh, yeah, this guy's from Rebels. Like, <clears throat> yeah, Rebels is a huge piece, and it's canon. So it's all of Rebels lines up. And as we have kind of seen, it is connecting because Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and Thrawn are all from Rebels. Um, and tech- the two former, obviously, from Clone Wars as well. So Thrawn being dropped is just this massive piece of information. Yeah. And a- yet another line of the story that just we have just more questions than answers about it, which is just going to make it that much more fun. I mean, having Thrawn 
in Re- or it's not Rebels in the Mandalorian is going to be huge because he is so good at what he does and what he does is imperial things. What are imperial things? That's taking over, killing and controlling. And he is good <laughs> at all three of those things. I mean, he is arguably the best at those three things. So hashtag just imperial. Yeah, things. exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> enslaving an entire planet, so th- disrupting their political social sphere, destroying them from the inside. No, he just just imperial. Yeah, things. just imperial things, man. He's he's really good at them. So I'm excited to see what if we see Thrawn at all this season, or if he's just name dropped for next season. I mean, I don't know, but regardless, very very excited for for Thrawn and potentially Ezra if he. I would assume Ezra would be down the line too. So. There's just a lot going on in this episode, in this universe, and it's I, insane. Austin, I hope you get what you want, because I I have some I have a hot take, I have a dark theory, okay, and I've got a little bit I've got a little Easter egg of lore. So three things to discuss with you right now. Let's do the easy stuff mm-hmm. first. The droids that were flanking the magistrate. Did you catch the name? Uh, I don't remember. I know they mentioned it. Someone called out the model. HK assassin droids. Mm-hmm. Hunter killer is what the HK designation means. They were developed first by the Zerka Corporation, which would later be absorbed by the CIS, which, as you know, created the super battle droids, blah, 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 blah. Um... These are some of my favorite things in all of Star Wars because the best character in KOTOR, in my opinion, is a droid named HK-47. Um, if you don't know, HK droids, uh, their DNA is actually, uh, not literal DNA, but like their build was based on protocol droids like C-3PO. Um they have a vocabulator. They can speak millions of languages. They are super proficient in communication. Um, they're typically very friendly, very polite. Um, and what made HK assassin droids so lethal is that they would infiltrate these circles, posing as protocol droids, um, extracting information just because they're so you know erudite in communication and talking to people. And then they would just snipe snipe them in like their bedchamber or something like that. That. That's their whole thing. What is interesting about the fact that they show up in this episode with a Jedi is that one of the most prolific killers of Jedi in the entire Star Wars canon, perhaps the most prolific hunter of Jedi, ah, that's probably not true, but in like in like the top 10 or 20, is HK-47. Um, his behavioral uh, mechanism is, is removed. Um, he kind of develops his own personality, just like how C-3PO does or how R2 especially. You know, they don't have they don't get their memory wiped, so they become kind of their own person. Um, basically, this HK droid, this assassin droid, he his lore is that he went around for years just obliterating Jedi, uh, luring them into mind traps. Uh, like, he, he just found all of these ways to deal with Jedi and, like, to kind of work past like their wisdom and use of the force and like to trick them. He is so interesting. And look, folks, you got to play it. I can't say it enough. 
download it on the App Store, play it on your phone. It works great. But you got to play it. If you want to understand a lot about Star Wars, especially what's happening in the new Star Wars stuff, you got to play KOTOR. And, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But look out for HK. Super cool. Okay. Let's get spicy now, Austin. Are you sitting down? I'm interested to see where, <laughs> what you're trying to do here. We'll see. So I have I, – I got this creeping sense the other day. And once the thought hit me, I couldn't ditch it. And it made me feel really bad. What if this season of The Mandalorian is, as I'm calling it, a tour through the galaxy – but it's not a stop. You're saying hi to Bo-Katan. You're saying hi to Ahsoka. But they're not actually going to be integrated into the plot of the these last two episodes and not going forward into season three. Hmm. The reason I say this is the Mandalorians are only in the episode that they're in. Right? Bo-Katan's Mandalorians. Um, obviously, we haven't watched the episode today, but... You know, he was kind of in and out of Ahsoka's life there. And it's like, what if they're just kind of doing what Marvel does in a way, which is like, hey, these people are alive in this universe. They're doing stuff. They have their own wants and goals that are apart from the Mandalorians. Here's a cool, you know, like, hey, swing on by the Bo-Katan show. Swing on by the Ahsoka show. Like, see what's going on. Say hi. Show's over. See you later. I I want to emotionally prepare you for that because I do think that could be a possibility. Hmm. I just just in the same way that they treat Kara in grief. They're part of it. They're in the show. They're regular characters on the show, but they're not integrated. Like this season, especially they weren't. They're not part of the overall story, really. They were just like, oh, hey, what's up? I'm stopping by this planet, saying up, what up to Kara. And, like, that's it. So, hmm. I, this is this this is a little pessimistic, I, I will admit. It's a little pessimistic. And you know me. I like to grind on, like, the worst possible outcomes sometimes. I, I hope this is not the case. I hope Thrawn is the big bad in Season 3. I hope he reunites with Ahsoka. And Bo-Katan's in there too, and care and grief, and everything works out. I just have this feeling that it's going to move into more original characters at the end of this season, which is my that's my spicy hot take. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, Star Wars Rebels and The Mandalorian as you know as much as maybe we're looking forward to. Now that I've said that. What, what is your heart? It's an you? interesting take, but it's one that I'm going to disagree with by the simple okay. fact that your example, like Kara and grief blipping. I mean, yeah, they blip. They're also not important. They're characters that we learned about in the Mandalorian. And that was it. Bo-Katan, True. Ahsoka, Thrawn, Ezra, all these characters are massive like they are massive characters these are are not characters you can simply blip and then never see them ever again in anything well obviously maybe you didn't say that but like 
kind of what what you're kind of right. pointing and towards is maybe we don't see him again um, in some of the seasons. Which yeah, there's just so much that it's it could be realistic that they don't resolve a lot with some of these characters. But I think we'll see some of them again. I mean, Thrawn, for example, you don't name drop Thrawn. You don't have Thrawn exist for one episode or or just kind of be like a, a stop and go for the Mandalorian and that's it. Right. Like, maybe like, like Thrawn would be so- over Moff Gideon at this like. Like Thrawn would be the highest ranking Imperial official alive. Sure. So I think worst case scenario, what we get is we get at least a one or two more episodes, whether it's this season, next season, whatever, we'll get some sort of connection to these big players. And from a marketing standpoint, that will be enough you can semi close a chapter with Mando and how he's involved and then open up a new realm of episodes, movies, shows, whatever with those characters, at, at least, you know, like Thrawn or um, right. Bo-Katan or Ahsoka. I mean, I don't know how much more they can get out of Ahsoka. She has done so much for the Star Wars universe and she's already been brought back from the dead once. And if the Star Wars video that I watched that called Thrawn being coming this season, which was correct, Ahsoka does die at some point. Like she, her voice was apparently heard talking to Rey as all the fallen Jedi have. So if her voice was in there, she does die somewhere. And it's to my thought that we will know or see about it we she won't just die and we're like oh yeah you hear about like oh ahsoka tano yeah she was cool but she died like i think she's gonna go down in a certain way but right now the mandalorian is the only star wars content that we have right now there's no new movies there's no new shows except for the obi-wan show maybe that would be him in the clone wars so like Mm -hmm. that doesn't connect this is the only connector to anything right now and i just think that with Fabro and filani in the driver's seat we're not going to simply sweep these characters away one-off episodes and leave their stories open for another something i think we'll get some sort of resolution with mando in in these shows so like i guess i partially agree with you i'm not expecting the storyline to to resolve around Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, and Thrawn. What I do expect is the intertwining pieces that all these characters share, at least Ahsoka, Thrawn, and Thrawn, and Ezra, um, that some of it gets untangled. And then what they do with it after that, I don't, you know, we'll see. But I, I do think that they're going to play major parts in a minimum a minimalistic role, if that makes sense. So we won't see them every okay. single episode. We won't interact. It's like Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon's a huge character. He's got the dark saber. He's got these four sensitive troopers, or what we think are. But we don't really see him that yeah. much. But we know we see him enough to know that he is an imminent threat. So 
I think right. we'll have similar to that. And I think, you know, we'll, how and the timeline of it, I don't know, because obviously the writers like to take their time, which makes it better, right? The, finding little yeah. things out a little bit at a time, it's just going to draw it out. But I think we, we will find something out. There will be a, some sort of resolution to spin something else off for these characters or if they don't feel a spinoff is necessary, then we will see a final resolution for them. So that that's my confidence. But as far as just blipping and then them not really playing a part moving forward, I don't believe that's true. Yeah, I mean, so I was going to say the upside of if my theory is correct or somewhat correct, the upside of that is it probably means spinoffs, um, live action spinoffs, which would be really cool. Um, the reason I kind of this theory stuck with me is there can only be so many moving parts before, you know, it, it becomes way, way, way too much for the Mandalorian to kind of bear. Um, and the Bo-Katan and Ahsoka storylines are so rich and there's so much going on. I was just like, Oh man, I really can't see them resolving and, you know, like being like their arcs kind of taking center stage. Cause that would just completely absorb screen time. Uh, and I don't think they're going to do that to the, to Mando. So that's what I was that's what I was thinking. But like maybe it, maybe it ends up being like a limited run series, like five episodes that are about them. That's not under the Mandalorian uh, umbrella per se. Um, it's its own thing. But it's like it's it's like a cross marketing tactic to be like, oh hey, we're dropping these people in here, um, you know, as a testing method maybe. To see like how people respond to them, which has been super, super positive. So I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm completely wrong. But I will say the worst case scenario, Austin, is that they're just Easter eggs this season and we don't we don't hear from them for a while. That I think that is the worst case scenario. Well, I mean they can I think I think I think it I think it is possible. It's not very likely, but it is possible. I mean they can just loop everyone's art together by making Mandalore as a, the last Imperial stronghold, it sounds like. They can just loop everyone's yeah. storyline back to Mandalore. You would get that is a great would, point. Would, actually, like huh. if Thrawn's out there and Thrawn's doing his thing, then he knows of Mandalore. He wow. knows everything. He can go there. That means Ahsoka's going to go there. Um, which Bo-Katan is? Did you just crack? <laughs> Bo-Katan is there now. The obvious question mark is what happens with Grogu and Mando, considering they're the tracker on the Razor Crest. Um. I would assume the Empire is going to deploy those cool troopers at some point to stop Mando and take the child. Where better to go since their base was blown up on Navarro to, to Mandalore? And Mando's going to chase after him and he's going to run into everybody and say, Hey, look at us. Who thought we'd be here? Not me. Look at us. <laughs> but I, it would be uh, a very easy just... way to arc everyone together. That makes too much sense. Wow. Did you just kind of think of that right now? Um, A little bit, but I mean, it was just kind of thinking of like what you were saying and like how hard it would be to, to complete all these separate storylines, which is absolutely true. But it's not... Impossible. It, like Bo-Katan's story is not that deep. Like she just takes back Mandalore or she wants to. Like that's really not that deep. Thrawn and Ahsoka is pretty deep. Ezra being introduced would be deep. Maybe we don't find out about Ezra 
until something goes down with Thrawn. Thrawn is the only person that knows where he is at this point. So, yeah. Arcing back, they take baby or they take Grogu, Thrawn sees him, they're like, "Oh, this is wonderful. We can, you know, do something about this." And then they all yeah. chase him to Mandalore. They take back Mandalore. They get to Thrawn or, or they, I I mean, I think it's pretty easy to loop it all back and it would be kind of like it would be a massive loop back, but if we think back to season one, Mando's all over the place, but where do we get looped back to? The start. We get looped back to Navarro, and everybody is on Navarro. Quill, the droid, Kara, Grief, Mando, Grogu, Moff Gideon, like everybody that we are like, yeah, okay, they're pretty significant of a character. Everyone's looped back to one place, so... I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they do it again, but I think it would be a lot harder because these characters are massive compared to the ones that they moved in the first season. So mm-hmm. maybe it happens this season, maybe it happens down the line, but I wouldn't it's not hard to to kind of loop them back together and and resolve some storylines all at once, if you will. Interesting. I I got to give you credit. That was pretty convincing. <laughs> um, which doesn't completely take the legs out of my next, that my my last little spicy hot take here. Um, but it does it does hurt it. Um, and I'll just go ahead and drop that right now, dude. So we've seen we've seen some indications twice now. Um, oh, by the way, the force cages, the shock cages. Uh, that's a Kotor design, by the way. And the pad that was controlling them, the nice. 3D model was ripped straight from the game. So, bing bong. Anyway, we've seen patterns, obviously from KOTOR, but now in the last two episodes, as I've pointed out, from Jedi Academy. Jedi Academy 2 takes place during the Remnant phase, as I pointed out. And we see a heavy connection with the Shadow Troopers, as I pointed out. I think the Jedi that responds to the call, if it happens may not be Ezra. Um, Ezra is a huge character, um, obviously, and I think that can obviously work for him in, in the sense of, I think probably it'll it, it'll be him because he's so important. It could also work against him because of my aforementioned concept of it's a lot to handle and another character of that magnitude would really, really be a lot for the Mandalorian to kind of take on. I'm thinking... The guy who's going out throughout the galaxy right now on Luke's behalf in the legacy canon is a man named Kyle Katarn, who I mentioned last episode is the protagonist of Jedi Academy 2. And he's a character in Jedi Academy 1. Um, he's a, At that point, he's a somewhat of a gray master who kind of he helps Luke, but he's not like helping Luke. Um, Kyle Katarn is basically Han Solo if you gave him a lightsaber and made him force sensitive. He's a smug. He used to be a smuggler. He's a super good starfighter pilot. Um, he's scrappy. He's streetwise. He's wisecracking. He's got a sick beard, um, and he hates Chiss actually, which is funny because Thrawn is Chiss. <laughs> uh, but he he's this guy that kind of wanders around doing uh you know helping luke with special projects and right now luke is building his in like which in legacy canon his doomed uh 
Jedi Knight Temple. You know, he's he's starting the Jedi program back up, and it's destined for just oh, yeah. spectacular mm-hmm. failure. Um, but Kalkatarn's kind of his right hand man, and I don't know. I I feel like I probably won't be a guy named Kyle Katarn, but it might be a guy that's like Kyle Katarn or a character that's Kyle Katarn-esque. And hell, maybe, I don't know much about Ezra, but maybe Ezra takes on a Kyle Katarn-esque role or like his personality shifts to something like that if he appears like he has like you know he's been gone for a long time maybe he is not so pubescent anymore and he has a beard right i don't know i think i i don't think we're done with the tie-ins from jedi knight academy just because the shadow troopers were so like holy shit like that that i can't believe that they went for that so uh, to me anything's possible now and to me kalkatarn is a clear choice if not like Luke himself, I don't. It's not going to be Luke, but um, Luke is looking for force-sensitive kids uh, right now, and to me, it makes the most sense that someone on the search on Luke's behalf would be Kyle Katarn. But it's not super strong of a theory now that you've kind of said what you said about Mandalore and all that. So I don't know, but if I'm right about that, I will. I'll seriously, I'll Venmo you fifty dollars. I mean, I I don't know why I would Venmo you, but I'm I mean, I to- I I don't have a problem with it. I mean, like as much as I want Ezra to be the guy that answers the call, I just don't know enough of where he is or what what's been going on. Like, um, yeah. like I said, the last we saw him, he got jettisoned into hyperspace with Thrawn, and we have no idea where he went. We don't yeah. really even know where Thrawn is. We just know that he must be back somewhere. So, I. I mean, like, who answers the call? I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I've been adamant about a certain about certain things in predicting, but this one, I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be Ezra, but it, it could be. It could not be. It'd be easy if it was Ezra, I think, because it's easy to loop them all together. But that's not really the Mandalorian style either. Mm-hmm. So I have no problems with it being somebody else that makes me ask a lot more questions and expands the universe even further. So, I mean, I have nothing to say against your theory. I think it, I think it could hold. I mean, as much as they have pulled from legacy. It could also be. Yeah. I think it could also be a nondescript meaning there's no, there's no true indication of what they would look like, but it might be a character named Jaden who could be a man or a woman that could be, many different types of species. Jaden is the player customizable character in the first Jedi Academy. You play as Kalkatarn in the second game. You have no choice of what you look like. In the first game, you play as Jaden, who uh, can be any gender, can be like Twi'lek, um, uh, Zabrak. You can you, you can be a lot of things. And, uh, you know, Jaden is also a super trusted pupil and eventually a Jedi Knight that, you know, Kalkatarn kind of brings up, and so does Luke. Um, and Jaden's also out there doing his bidding. Um, and in the canon, you can choose as Jaden to turn to the dark side, fight Kyle Katarn, and then, you know, piss off. But in the canon, Jaden resists the dark side and, you know, shuts down some bad stuff happening in the, in the, the Valley of the Sith Lords on Korriban, or Korrigath, as it's called now. Um, I think that is a distinct possibility as well. 
that it, it's it, it it's a character from uh, the Jedi Knight series. It's either Kyle or Jaden. That that's my that's my pick, and that's where all that's the hill I'll die on. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I again, I we're in a, we're kind of in the realm where I'm not really sure what's going to happen at this point. And like I said, it'd be cool if it was Ezra, yeah, but I just honestly. I don't have enough information like I had prior with like Ahsoka or Bo-Katan or Thrawn or whoever. Like I just don't have that with Ezra. Like he's literally just been gone. So um, God, I'm fine Steve. with whatever. Honestly, at this point, just give it to me. I love it. Give me more. Make me ask yeah, more man. questions. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too, man. Woo. Well, it's it's crazy that an hour and a half seems like a long time, given how long our old episodes were. Um, I've said all I needed to say. I, we've gone through my notes and more. Yeah, I mean, it was a huge you? episode. That that was everything that um, I felt like needed to be talked about. Um, obviously, Grogu being big, Ahsoka, Thrawn, and all the legacy mm-hmm. content as well. So... Hell of an episode. I'm excited to see what uh, what today's episode has now. Yeah, watch like either all of our predictions are right or all of them oh, are boy. wrong. There's like no middle ground. It's just like completely polarizing. Yeah, wouldn't be surprising either. I don't know. But, um, all right. Well, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of it. Wow, that was it was a lot of fun for sure. Excited to see where we go with this episode and the final episode that will follow either mm-hmm. I would assume before or after Christmas or, or something. I, I think they, I feel like they did something weird with the last episode release around the holiday time. So we'll see what happens with it. Obviously we'll be watching it and we'll be bringing it to you, but in the interim, uh, Connor, I don't think you have any last thoughts. No, no? I, I, I've said my piece, sir. Bring us Alrighty. home. Well, that's it for us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed all of the fun nuggets of knowledge and predictions that we made. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) There it is. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.